How we doing, men? Good to see you tonight. Excited for our time together. So we're going to be diving into Titus chapter 2 tonight, and then afterwards we're going to have a panel discussion that I'm really excited about, uh, different guys that are going to be on here, but um, we're in Titus chapter 2 tonight. And last time we left off in our study where Paul was exhorting Titus to raise up elders, men in the church who could lead. And we've looked at over the last couple of weeks the qualifications. But he was talking about men who would be sound in doctrine. Men who would, we saw in verse 9, who would hold fast to the word of God. And the reason that sound doctrine is essential for combating the false teachers and being able to recognize false teachers. And so that was our our focus last week. But tonight we're going to see that sound doctrine is also essential for helping believers live sound lives. That's the theme here in chapter two. Follow along as I read beginning in verse one. But as for you, speaking to Titus, speak the things which are are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men may be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in the faith, in love, and in patience. And the older women, likewise, that they may be reverent in behavior, not slanders, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands and to love their children, to be discreet and chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Exhort bondservants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. Let's pray together. Lord, I, as we come before you tonight, as we look at your word, as we, as a group of men, bring our hearts before you, Lord, I, I pray right now that by your Holy Spirit, you would move in our midst, that you would move in this time. God, I pray that you would bring clarity, that you'd bring application as we just unpack this passage together. And so we give you this time now in Jesus' name, amen. Notice that phrase, Titus, Paul is exhorting Titus to speak the things which are proper. The word there, proper, is fitting for sound doctrine. And here's the reason. It's so that older men and older women and young men and young women and slaves and masters, today we would call it employees and employers, would know how to live, that they would know how to behave, 
that they would know how to conduct themselves as followers of Jesus Christ. Now it's interesting to me that the word sound in the Greek comes from a word that gives us our word hygiene in English. And the word sound actually means that which is wholesome. So that it's that which gives health. It's that which produces health. And so it really refers to making sick people whole. And I think that is just so cool. I think that is just such an, an amazing picture because all of us come into the body of Christ. All of us come into the family of God broken because of sin, right? We all come into the family of God with baggage because of our past and because of our our sin, the, the sin and its effect that is had upon us. But it's the pure teaching of the unadulterated word of God that makes sick people whole. That's the beauty of it. And so that's the purpose. He's telling Titus that he would give himself to promoting, to teaching that which is fitting for sound doctrine, for that which is going to make people whole. And Paul uses this word sound, the same word. He uses it three times in, in the verses that we just read. We see it in verse 1, sound doctrine and teaching. He mentions it again in, in verse 2, being sound in the faith. And then he mentions it again in verse 8, being sound in speech. And here's the point. Here's the big idea. Sound doctrine is meant to result in sound behavior. Sound doctrine is meant to result in sound behavior. Now, Titus, he says, give yourself and the other elders to sound doctrine that the older men may be sober and reverent and temperate, sound in the faith and in love, or you could put it sound in love and sound in patience. Tonight, we're going to consider the effect that sound teaching and sound doctrine is meant to have on older men. Now, in that culture, anyone who was over 50 was considered an older man. So if you are over 50 right now, would you please stand, all right? Any any of you guys that are over 50, just stand, all right? Let's give it up for these guys, all right? So guys, in a biblical sense, and I'm with you, I'm, I'm turning 59 next month, but uh, in a biblical sense, we are old. <laughs> All of us are who just stood, we are old, but the 50 is the new 30, right? Right? That's what they say, right? Uh, so here's what I want you to catch, though. It's clear in this passage that Paul has more to say to the older men and the older women, because they are to be examples. You could say, or we could say it this way, that there's a greater weight for the health of the church that is placed on those who are older. That older men and women are to set the tone. That we are to pave the way. That older men and women, we are to be living in a way that younger people will want to emulate. That they'll want to follow. 
And that's definitely the way it was when I came to faith. When I was growing up in, in the church and when I was a young man in my you know, late teens and, and early in, in college, there were so many wonderful, godly men who were mentors to be able to look up to. Wonderful men in the church who poured into me, starting with my own dad. My dad was a great mentor. All of you who are dads, you need to, that's first and foremost. You need to be those mentors for godliness and godly living for your sons. But in the church, there were men who were just sold out for Jesus, who were charging it. Men who were just all about living for Jesus and serving Jesus. And guys, I'll just tell you, we need more men like that today in the church. We need more men with that kind of heart today in the church. So to the older men, that's all of us who are over 50, this is what sound doctrine is meant to produce in us. He says this, that the older men would be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, sound in love, sound in patience. Let's break that down. The word sober here means self-controlled. It speaks of exercising judgment, good judgment. We might say that they were to be known as men who were clear-headed men. Now, the opposite of being clear-headed and self-controlled is being uncontrolled. It's being undisciplined. The opposite of being self-controlled is somebody who is just being led by their impulses. And you know, in my older years, I wouldn't say that I've become less adventurous or less of a risk taker. I still like, you know, to uh, experience adventure and, and just, you know, go for things and, and my walk with the Lord. I still love to take risks in things, in, in ministry and things like that. But I'll tell you this, I've become much slower in my decision-making. Much less prone to be led by my impulses. Much less given to extremes. And much more calculated. You know, it tells us in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 11, a fool gives full vent to his spirit but a wise man quietly holds back. The wise man, he's disciplined. He's calculated. He's not flying off the handle. He's not moved by, by his emotions. And you know, the reason I, I think that I've become this way as I've gotten older is because I've made a lot of mistakes. And so I've learned from those mistakes. When I was younger in life in ministry, you know, you can't see potential risks. You can't see what, what, you know, might happen. You're just like, man, let's just go for it. That sounds good to me. But now, because I, 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 I know a little bit more about what the risks are, because I've made some mistakes, I'm much more controlled in how I function. Because I've suffered loss, I'm much more prone to kind of just step back and pray more, wait on the Lord more, be more calculated in what 
I'm doing. You see, when life beats you up a bit, when trials beat you up a bit, when people beat you up a bit, you become like tempered steel. You know, steel is tempered by heat. And it's the heat that makes that steel or that iron tougher. Well, that's what the Bible says. That's what trials do to us. James said this, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Sometimes the Bible refers to our trials as fiery trials. He says, count it all joy because you know that the testing of your faith produces patience. It's producing something in you. So he says, so let patience have its perfect work in you that you might be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. And so I found that as I've gotten older, my highs and my lows are less extreme. I don't get as excited about the highs because I know that they don't last. And I don't get as discouraged about the lows because I know that they are going to pass. But in, in, in both, whether it's the highs or the lows, God is faithful. Amen? How many of you have experienced that? Highs and lows, but God has been faithful. That's what happens as you go through life in your walk with the Lord. What I've found as I've gotten older is God is just wanting me to be steady. To just be steady. Steady as a husband. Steady as a parent. My wife and my kids, especially when my kids were younger, could be much more prone to being emotional. Being emotionally driven. Their highs and their lows were all over the place. And what God needed for me was to remain steady. To remain focused. The church needs me to be steady. And I look at this, it's like a farmer who's planting sowing he's plowing and then he's planting the seed and then he's waiting and then the harvest comes and he brings in the harvest and then he does it all over again that's what life is it's just being steady it's interesting and in, in uh i think it's second timothy you know paul likens the the christian life for for men as being like an athlete and being like a soldier and being like a farmer and I think, you know, sometimes we can relate to the, the, the soldier, like, yeah, I want to get out there and fight, you know, I want to get out there and kick butt, you know, I want to, you know, that type of thing. Or I want to be like the athlete, yeah, I want to run and win the prize. But the farmer, that's the one that's the least attractive, because in some ways it's the most difficult, because you plant, you plow, that's hard work. Especially in the day when they didn't have tractors and all that. You know, it's all hand, you know, plowing that. And then they're planting. And then you're waiting. And we live in this day and age, right, where we want everything so fast and everything to, to, to just come right now. But there's this thing that God does in, in, I think, making us mature as men and learning how to wait, learning how to, to rest in him, learning how to be patient as we you know, just seek him. And, and so older men are to be sober, they're to be self-controlled. And then he mentions, the next word is reverent. I love this word because it means worthy of respect. And I think that is such a great description. Worthy of respect. 
Men who are seasoned, men who are not frivolous, men who are tempered by life are men who are worthy of respect. And those are the kind of men that you want to follow. You know, this was in a London newspaper back in 1913. It was an ad that read this. Men wanted for a hazardous journey. Small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return, doubtful, honor and recognition in case of success. It's quite an ad, right? (laughs) Doesn't sound very inviting. That advertisement appeared in a London newspaper and there were thousands of men that responded to it. You know why? Because it was put in that uh, newspaper by the noted Arctic explorer, Sir Ernest Shackleton. And that's what made all the difference. They actually made a book on this and and a movie that was called The Endurance that was based on this expedition by Sir Ernest Shackleton. But it was because he was a man worthy of respect that thousands of men, even though the ad just sounded ominous, it didn't sound very inviting. It sounded like, you know, that sounds like a death march. They were like, I want to follow that guy. I want to be a part of that thing that he's going to go on, and I, I want to link myself with him. That men that are worthy of respect, they, people want to follow them. Now, here's what's interesting. I think if Jesus had advertised for workers today, his announcement you know, might have read something like this. Men and women wanted for a difficult task of helping to build my church. You will often be misunderstood, even by those working with you. You will face constant attack from an invisible enemy. You may not see the results of your labor, and your full reward will not come until after your work is completed. It may cost you your home, your ambitions, and even your life. How many people would sign up for that today? How many people would be like, yeah, that sounds awesome. I want to I join that team. You know, Hopefully, because it was signed by Jesus, we'd say, yeah, if that's what it takes, I'm all in. But I don't know. I don't see that as much today. Who do you want to hear from in life as a husband? Who's somebody you know, that you look at and, and you think, man, I, I, I want to learn from that guy. Or somebody, who do you want to learn from, you know, in the faith? Do you want to learn from, as a husband from the guy who's the brand new dad? You know, who's a couple weeks or a couple years, you know, into it? Do you want to learn about the Christian faith from the, the new believer? No, you, you want to learn from somebody who's gone through it a little bit. Somebody who's seasoned, somebody who has some experience. A while back, I was having lunch with a guy in his mid-20s in our church. And he was a a young guy who had come from a very, very uh, large, popular church in L.A. that is just full of 20 and 30-somethings. And he had come to, you know, our church, and it was a little bit of a culture shock for him, but we were having lunch, and he'd, you know, been here a while, and he, he said, you know, he goes, I'm really, really enjoying Calvary Vista. And he says, one of the things that I'm really, really enjoying is there's so many men there who I can glean from because they have a wealth 
of life experience. And he said, you know, at my old church, my home group leader, now he was 25, he said my home group leader was 23. And it's like neither one of us had any life experience. Neither one of us had, you know, much experience of even walking with God. But he says, I'm really enjoying getting to know some of these men here who have walked with God for a long time. And they've been men who have gone through. He was saying, there's men here that I see are worthy of respect and worthy of following. And that blessed me. He, and he was the one, he, he, it was the first time I ever heard this phrase, but I kind of adopted it. He said, you know, Calvary Vista is a generational church. And what he meant by that, I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, all the generations are represented there. And I think that's good. That's good. That's a healthy thing. I remember when Denise and I were in our mid-20s, and we just had our son, Aaron. We were doing youth ministry here at the church. And I wanted to start a home group for young married couples. And I asked Pastor Brian, I said, hey, can I, can I start a home group for young married couples? And, and part of the reason was, is I mean, I spent most of my time with young you know, high school kids, and we just wanted some friends. <laughs> you know, we just wanted some people to, to hang out with. And I said, you know, can we start this? And he said, no. And I was a little disappointed. And I go, how come? He goes, because young couples need to be around older couples with some life experience. They need to be able to learn from one another in that. And at the time, I didn't like his answer, but I came to see the wisdom in it, though, that there, there needs to be that blending of the two. Now, here's the thing for all of us who are older men. If you are going to be a man who is worthy of respect, the kind of man that others want to glean from and learn from, you need to first of all be a man of the word. Somebody who is sound in doctrine. Somebody who's committed to Jesus in his walk, who is self-controlled in his behavior, not given to extremes. And young men who are wanting, this is the key, who are wanting to live godly lives, they'll be, you'll be somebody that they want to follow. You'll be somebody that they want to emulate. They'll be, you'll be somebody that they want to tap into. And I think you can always tell those who are leaders by who is following them. So he mentions here, those who are sober, those who are reverent. And then he mentions those who are temperate. This word simply means living wisely. It's a man of wisdom. Now, what is wisdom? Well, wisdom is knowledge applied. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. And this is something that's very important that we understand because I know, you know some guys who they can quote the Bible backwards and forwards. They know the Bible, but they don't live it. They don't apply it in their lives. They're just guys, they're just full of knowledge. But they're not living that knowledge. Wisdom, true wisdom is taking knowledge and applying it to our lives. In Proverbs chapter 1 verse 5 we're told that a wise man will hear and increase in learning and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. It's been said that good leaders are learners, and I think that that is true. 
always wanting to learn, always wanting to grow, always wanting to see how they can take what they're learning and apply it to their lives. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15 says, The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. So he's sober, self-controlled, worthy of respect, temperate. And then older men who are worth following are going to be, as he continues, sound in the faith. Healthy, we could say. They're healthy in the faith. And again, this speaks of a man who is sincere and steadfast, who is constantly adhering to the truths of the word of God. It describes a man, listen, who is going to base his life upon the word of God, that all of his decisions are going to be seen and made through the lens of scripture. So sound in faith encompasses correct doctrine that leads to correct relationships and that leads, leads to correct living. So he's sound in the faith. But it's not just, again, it's not just knowledge, it's faith in action. It's not just something that you tell people that you have, but it's something that you show people that you possess by the way that you live your life. If this man is healthy in the faith, it means that he's always found trusting God and always willing to obey God. And so this is a question I want to ask all of us here in the room tonight, is does your life back up what you say what you say you believe this is what i believe this is this is my faith does your life back that up when we say hey this is what i'm standing on is that seen in the way that we live or is it just words that's key that's somebody who's sound in the faith and this is something that just breaks my heart is that the church today is becoming more and more biblically illiterate. And I know men, and I want you to hear me on this, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I want you to, I'm not trying here to be condemning, but I am seeking to be real, Okay? So I, I say this as with, a, with a, a, a heart of a pastor in the sense that this is the kind of thing that breaks my heart. Is I, I see men today who are not sound in the faith because they never study their Bibles. They don't have a devotional life. They, they, they don't, like we talked about Sunday, they aren't meditating on the word of God. And listen, if the only time you ever get into the word is here on a Sunday morning and on a Wednesday night, that's, that's, that, that's not enough. That's like being spoon-fed, okay? And the Lord wants you to, to move beyond Gerber's, okay? <laughs> he wants to move to a place where you are getting into, into the word on your own. And the church today is just being plagued by biblical illiteracy. And, and, and we talked about this on Sunday. Part of the problem is, is because, you know, it's happening in the pulpit. In the, in the pulpit in too many churches today, they're not given to the word. But that's not 
the case here. We are given to the word, but we need men in the church who are given to the word, who are disciplining themselves to get into the word and to be men who are excited to dig into it. So the older men who are worth following are to be sound in faith, and they are to also be sound in love, or you can put it this way, healthy in love. And the word, this is so interesting. Don't miss this. The word he uses here for love is the word agape. And agape is the highest form of love. It's it's the word in John 3.16 where it says, For God so loved the world. God so agape the world that he gave his only begotten son. So being healthy in love means, if that's the example, that you and I are going to be men that put the needs of others above our own comfort and our own desires. It's a love that is self-sacrificing. It's what I like to call the Jesus style of leading. One of my favorite books that I love to take people through is The Jesus Style by Gail Irwin. It just gives this beautiful picture of servant leadership, of of Jesus giving himself and serving, that he left heaven. He left that place of comfort. He left that place where he was worshipped. He left that and he put aside his desire to be worshipped. And he put that all aside and he became a man and came to this earth because he was other-centered. He did that so that we, could be, that we could be saved, that we could be benefited. And so healthy in love describes that kind of man, somebody who is others-centered, others-focused, who seeks the well-being of others, that serves and loves and serves their family and serves the church. So older men who are worth following are sound in the faith, healthy in the faith, healthy in love, And then there are also those who are healthy in patience. And the word patience that he uses here is the word endurance. Sound in endurance. Now I gotta say, our view of endurance today is not biblical. It's not what the biblical word endurance is talking about. When we talk about enduring, we so often talk about it in the way, I barely made it. You know, we might say, man, I endured a visit from my mother-in-law this weekend, you know, <laughs> like I barely made it, you know, or I endured that meeting with my boss. Like if he went on for just 10 more minutes, I was just going to blow a gasket or I endured that, you know, trip to the dentist. I endured that, that root canal. Like I barely made it. That's so often the way that we use the word endurance. And another 20 minutes, I would have just tapped out. That's not the biblical view of endurance. The word endurance in the Greek is hupomeneo. Can you say that? Hupomeneo. It's a beautiful word. And I want to show you how it's used in another place. This will be on the screen. This is Hebrews chapter 12. It says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with what? Endurance. Endurance. The race that is set before us. Here's the key. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him did what? He endured 
the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So catch this. The writer of Hebrews is telling us that we are to run this race with endurance, looking unto Jesus. He's our example of endurance because he endured the cross. He endured the shame. He endured the being despised. Now here's the question. Did Jesus barely make it when he was hanging on the cross? Did he barely make it? I mean, visibly, to the visible eye, he looked beaten. He looked humiliated. He looked defeated. But we know in the spiritual realm, Jesus was claiming our victory. On the cross, he was conquering sin. On the cross, he was fulfilling his mission that he came to save, to seek and save those who were lost. He came to give his life a ransom for many. And listen, his cry from the cross was not a cry of defeat. He wasn't tapping out. He wasn't like, man, I'm done. I can't handle this anymore. No, his cry was a cry of victory. He cried, it's finished. It's paid in full. And that word, hupomaneo, when it speaks of enduring, it's really, it's speaking of conquering. It's not, I'm barely making it. I almost tapped out. But it's like, I'm going forward in victory. It's when Jesus, you know, is there on the cross and he cries out and says, it is finished. He's saying, look, it's been paid in full. It's the spiking of the football. It's the throwing down of the gauntlet. There at Calvary. It was a victory cry. And what the writer of Hebrews is doing is by linking our running with endurance to the endurance displayed by Jesus... That, that's the point that the writer is making. Listen, this is key. That you and I can be men who are running with endurance because Jesus already endured for us. That we can be men who conquer the difficulties of life because Jesus is our conquering king, and he's living inside of us. And that's why Paul would say in Romans chapter 8 that we are now more than conquerors through him who loved us. So Paul says that older men are to be healthy in endurance. And he's describing men who know how to bear up under life's trials with a buoyant hope because they are leaning on the promises of God. And they're able to bear up under the trials with a buoyant hope because they're committed to the mission of God. And they understand that this is part, the difficulty is part of the process. Not men who are tapping out when life gets hard, when the trials get tough. And I gotta tell you again, guys, just speaking here with my heart, it breaks my heart that I see a lot of men tapping out today. A lot of men just saying, I'm done. A lot of men just that, that have quit running and, oh, they're still saved, but they're just content to live mediocre Christian existence. Man, that's not the kind of men God wants us to be in this day and age. 
You older men, can I just encourage you, exhort you, plead with you, don't be those kind of men. Because the young men, the young boys, need to see in us men who are all in for Jesus. Men who are not given to compromise, men who are not playing around with pornography, men who are not, you know, getting caught up in all of these other things. Life is too short, guys. We need to be men who are all in. Men who have our priorities right. Men who are self-controlled. You see, the young men in our church need to know and they need to see in us that it can be done. That it can be done. That, that you can run this race in a way like Paul that you can say at the end, man, I've run the race and I've kept the faith. I've finished. I'm ready to receive my reward. So I've run strong. We need to give them something to aspire to. Now, for those of you here who are young, the word that Paul says to you, and we're going to get back to this next week. I just, you know, originally I was going to do verses 1 through 10, but I just felt today like the Lord said, nope, just do verses 1 and 2. Just talk mainly to the old men. But he's going to get to the young men in verse 6, and it's very simple. What he says to them is, likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things. It's simple. All this other stuff for the older men. Why? Because we're the examples. We're to set the pace. We're to pave the way. We're to give the young men something to look to. To go, okay, that's how you follow God. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this charge, for this word. To us who are men, of what it means to really follow you with all of our hearts. And God, I I know that that's what you desire for us who are men in this church. Lord, I want to be that kind of man. I want all of us here to be those kind of men. And so God, I pray. That we would realize that everything that we need to be those kind of men has already been given to us because you've placed your life, your spirit inside of us. That as Paul would say, that, that we have the power of a resurrected Jesus living in us. So we have no excuse. So, Lord, help us to be disciplined. Help us to be men who are given to following you with all of our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would bless this time now of this panel discussion in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to take a couple of minutes to get things uh, set up. Why don't you guys stand for a minute, stretch. Those of you guys on the panel, why don't you guys come up here, and then we'll... Uh, Get this set up. So I'm going to introduce, I think you guys know everybody, but I'm going to introduce everybody anyway and have us tell, tell them how old they are. We'll start with you over there, Steve. Hey, 
<laughs> I can't believe it. I used to be the young dude. Now I'm the old guy. The Medicare special, man. 65, dude. Yeah. So 65, 65. for me. So Steve is an old man. I am an old, older. He's I'm an um, this is Mike, Mike Lynch. How old are you, Mike? Uh, 40. Yeah, 41. So we'll call Mike a medium age guy. <laughs> Jeff, what about you? Uh, 47. 47. Jeff's getting up there. You're almost in the old group. Now, Mike, what do you do? Me? Yeah, uh, yeah I work as an operations manager for like a specialty plumbing company. Okay. So, yeah, work with a lot of like the water districts and health and safety. And um, you have three boys? Yeah, three boys. They're 11, 9, and 5. So okay. it keeps me pretty busy. So I yeah. try to stay young. <laughs> and uh, Mike's wife, Nikki, is the gal that sings sometimes up here, has a big smile. Um, so, Jeff, what do you do? What kind of work are you in? Uh, I'm a professor at, at Cal State San Marcos. How long have you been doing that? Uh, 16 years. Okay. Yeah. All right. Wow. So can, can, can we call you Professor Jeff? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> professor. Um, you guys know Aaron. Aaron, how old are you? I'm 31, and I student ministries. I work for you. <laughs> recently married, only a year and a half in, Yeah. and looking forward to be a, a dad one day. Yeah. Okay. So if you need marriage counseling, yes. Aaron's the guy. <laughs> Jeff, um, I forgot to ask you, how many kids do you have? Uh, three kids. Two girls, a 16-year-old, 14, and then a son who is almost 10. All right. Very cool. And then this is Tyler. Tyler is 25? 25, yeah. So these, he's a young man, yes. young, young man. Aaron's a younger man. Jeff is, we should probably have you guys switch seats. You don't have to. I'm just kidding. But <laughs> build it over there, you know, like we're getting higher up. Um, Jeff and Mike are in that middle spot. Steve and I were the the old guys. So bookends, um, we got the bookends. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So I want to ask you guys a few questions, and uh, the, these are questions I'd like all of you to answer. Um, so we're talking about a man worthy of respect, someone that you would want to follow. I'd like each of you to describe that type of man who would be worthy of your respect. That you would follow. What what would that man look like, um, Aaron? You want to start? Yeah, a man worthy of respect that I would want to follow is one who the his children are, are respectable. You know, so they, he's done a good job parenting. Like, oh, that's admirable. I want to pick his brain on on what that looks like. And um, one guy, you know, that I really look up to, and uh, he's worthy of. My respect is when I listen to his prayers, he's speaking to a re- he's speaking to a king, so there's reverence. But he's also speaking as a, as the Lord is a familiar friend. So there's kind of a depth in the prayer life. I think it's beautiful, mm. worthy of respect, worthy to be followed. Okay, what about you, Jeff? Yeah, I would I would second the the thought that uh, I look at their kids, and I think uh, I'm looking for respect for their their parents and respect for other adults. Um. I think it's changed for me over the years. So as a, as a younger me, I was probably just looking for anyone who was successful, mm. um, just successful at life and, and in their ministry, because I was still trying to figure out what that equation was. And so really willing to listen to anyone. 
Uh, now I think it's a little more targeted, I guess. If, if I have weaknesses, I'm kind of seeking out mentors who have success in those areas that I can kind of pick their brain about how they were successful. Okay. What about you, Tyler? Um, I've got three C's and two P's for this one. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, pastor, pastor did. Um, one's consistent, someone that's consistent. And so integrity, they're consistent in the home. They're the same person here as they are in church. And so that's huge. Someone that's in control, they have control of their emotions, their anger, their frustrations, their tongue. Um, someone that is a man of conviction. Like, I really respect someone that's like, even if I don't agree with their convictions, I really respect that they know what they believe, and it's, it's really real to them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then the two Ps would be a man of priority. So they've got their priorities straight with their family, their, their spouse, and their kids, and, um, and then a man of prayer as well. Okay. But you, Steve? You know, that model that we see in Titus, I think, lays it out. What you talked about already is awesome, Rob. But just to add to that, you know, I, I just think um, one that's a, a lover of Jesus, obviously, that, 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 that's huge. You know, a man of the word is huge. Uh, a man of good judgment is giant. Um, you know, one that's not a, a talker but a walker. I think that's huge in life, man. A lot of people, words come out of their mouths, but their lives don't match it. Yeah. And, and you know, with that consistency, and I think it's really good. It's one thing to, to talk to walk. It's another thing to walk to talk. Where's that backwards? We, want to not, we don't want to talk. We don't want to walk the talk. We want to talk the walk. So we want to be ones that are, are you know, have convictions, obviously, that you guys talked about, but ones that are just living for Jesus, just sold out, man. Mm. You know, being that example, and, and not perfect by, by any means, but forgiven and, and just a lover of Jesus. That, that's that model that I think is so awesome. Okay. What about you, Mike? Uh, yeah, I would say, of course, um, the, the love for Christ, but the passion, you can see that in their speech, um, that they walk in humility. I think just that, um, yeah, the man of the word who, no matter what happens in their life, they're always going to go back to the scriptures and check it against what they may think. Or um, when the culture changes or things shift, they're not going to go with the culture. They're going to stick firm mm-hmm. on what the scripture teach, no matter what. And that, that's something I really respect. And with so much pressures on all sides, especially now, too, um, as always, it's been over time. But Somebody that I can see that when they teach the word or when they're speaking, I see the passion and that love for Christ coming out through that and then how they live their life models that no matter how tough it is or no matter what they may lose as a result. That's good. I like that. Now, um, were any of you mentored in your walk or ministry? And if so, what did that look like? Anybody wants to jump in? Yeah, when I was at the Bible College, I was mentored by a guy named Rod Thompson. And Rod is kind of like the Europe, Northern European missions guys in Hungary and all those guys. And so I, I, he was an awesome, awesome man. And my mentorship with him was very uh, relationship-based. So he invited me over for dinner. It was like twice a month. You know, and mm-hmm. so I had free access to how he would um, parent and how he would have a relationship with his wife. And then I could just pick his brain over a meal. So it was really relationship-based. I can go to his house at those mm-hmm. times and just talk. Yeah. So that was really cool. That's great. What about any of you guys? Were you mentored in your walk or in ministry by someone? Yeah, I was for sure. Um, in fact, I still have a mentor in my life. I think it's important, guys, for us to remember that, that we all need a mentor. That, that's really important for us. 
and that, that person to me is still just dear to my heart to this day. But, um, you know, one of the biggest things, I think, is, is just honesty. You know, a guy that you can sit down and talk to that's real, mm-hmm. it's really important. Again, as we talked about, a man of the word and all is, 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 is great. But this particular person in my life has been one that, you know, has, has, has walked his talk, one that, you know, knows and has communicated to me that life is tough. But, you know, God is bigger and God has a plan mm-hmm. for our lives and God has equipped us for what that plan is, you know, that he has before us and that lane of life he has for us to run in. And that example is so huge, you know, to, to me. And, and uh, you know, one that you feel comfortable with that you could call anytime, 24-7, and having that heart, you know, to receive that call and to honestly uh, and sincerely, you know, uh, reach out and, and, and show that agape love. I think that's mm-hmm. really important to have somebody like that. What about you guys, Tyler? Yeah, I've had quite a few mentors, and all of them have been deeply personal. And um, even young, like some guys in my life that were just older than me would take me surfing, and it would be those conversations on the way to the beach. And then at 17 years old, when God really got a hold of my heart, it was Pastor Mark Galvin at Calvary Lompoc, and he just invited me over to his house every single night. I mean, I was, he, he had a son I was friends with too, but I just found myself at their house every night, and and, um, and we just kind of did life together. And I use kind of the word mentor and disciple interchangeably. And um, mm-hmm. when I ended up going to Bible college and there's kind of this like phrase, hey, do you want to be discipled? And it was like, <laughs> do you want to be discipled? And it was this like really like, serious thing. It was like they met at the coffee shop and they went through chapter by chapter, like through a book together or something. And that's cool. Like that's a part of discipleship. But it's like, hold on, have I never been discipled before? And it took time to realize like, no, I was. It was just like deeply relational. And, um, and it wasn't like open up a scripture and go through it. It's like we're living, this is how sound doctrine is lived out. And yeah. um, that has definitely been the most impactful. And I think it actually aligns with scripture. The Great Commission, go and make disciples. That word go can be transliterated to as you're going. So mm-hmm. it's as you're going through life. Just, yeah. hey, follow me. And um, I've had men do that. That's been really impactful. Yeah, I love that. I think that's the way, you know, that's what Jesus did. I mean, Jesus had guys that hung out with them. You know, it wasn't a program that they went through. You know, it wasn't a 10-week study. It wasn't, it was just, hey, let's just do life together. Just watch me. Let's sit down and look for opportunities. Hey, there's a guy, you know, sowing. You know, the Bible's like that. It's like sowing seed, you know, and he, he that's, that's the way he, he, he did it. And, uh, and, and the mentors in my life, one of the things that I really, really appreciated about them was the fact that they, um, they were interested in me as a person. You know, it wasn't just that they wanted to take me through a program. It wasn't just that they wanted to take me through a book. It wasn't, you know, I mean, we did some of those things so that there was a little bit of structure, but a lot of times it was just simply, um, you know, let's just get together and let's, let's talk. You know, what's going on? What's happening in your life? And, and they were interested in, in me. My dad, he um, is a great discipler, and he's discipled some, he's in heaven now, but some men in our church. And, and it was funny because there was a time years ago that we were kind of working our way through. Um, we had this blue book that we used for discipleship, and it was pretty intense. I mean, it was, it was pretty deep stuff. And people would sign up, and they would go through that. And, and there was one particular guy who... 
he just had a hard time. He was newer in the faith. He didn't understand a lot. And, and so he was working with a guy who was doing that. And the guy got upset with him because he wasn't getting his homework done, you know. And so he kind of stopped doing that. And he met my dad and, and he said, you know, I need somebody to disciple me. My dad, I'll, I'll, I'll disciple you. You know, come over. And he's like, well, I don't, I don't, you know, I had a hard time with that book. He's like, oh, we don't need to use that book. You know, we'll just talk and share. And they both played golf and, you know, they started playing golf together. And, and that guy literally became like a brother to me um, in our family because of the impact that, you know, my dad had on him. But just, I think that's a real key, you know, is being making sure that the heart is you know i i want to get to know you i want to invest in you you know you have value um to me that's to me is really really key what about jeff mike have you guys had mentors Uh, yeah i think when i was you know little um my mom actually um was was huge in in my faith and i was thinking about you mentioned the word sincere tonight and i was thinking about uh, you know, Paul talks to Timothy about his mother and grandmother and the sincereness of the faith. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what I had growing up with my mom. It's kind of a, it's really neat because my, she was the one that brought our whole family to faith and my dad came last and uh, my mom passed away. But in that time when she was, you know, modeling Christ, that example piece was huge for me. I don't even remember her complaining ever. It was just seeing that throughout um, my younger years. And then the cool, the cool shift for me later was my dad and I were able to, you know, talk and, you know, we could work things out together through the Lord. As, uh, but it was her example in the beginning. And I've had other uh, men through church, but specifically when I was in my 20s, I had a pastor who was great to meet and just talk about life. And especially before Nicole and I got married, he was great to kind of meet up and just discuss life and marriage and, and all of those things. But I think the family, it's kind of unique how that worked for us. It was, it was a real blessing to have her and then be able to follow that up with my dad after she passed, too. Cool. What about you, Jeff? Um, I don't know that I was formally mentored or, or discipled. I, looking back, there were some men that um, kind of took me alongside them and, and taught me, especially, you know, I'm thinking some of my um, professors, advisors. I did have some believers believe it or not, in the, in, in the university system. And um, I had an advi- one advisor in particular who, he was, he was a Christian, but we didn't, we didn't have that many conversations about our faith and about Jesus. But he would invite us over to his house frequently, and uh, we could just sort of see how things operated in his house and, and just kind of how he was able to balance what he was doing you know, academically and, and at home and kind of all the, the demands on him. And uh, that, that had an impact on me. Um, and then just thinking there, there have been some pastors that I've kind of really looked up to and, and kind of watched. You know, I've, I've known them, but, but not, not personally. So mm. there was a period in my life where I was actually praying for a mentor, praying for someone to disciple me and, you know, I, Still hoping that God will answer that at some point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So part of what we wanted, you know, to do and part of the, as we hit this chapter that, and, and we'll get into this a little bit more next week, but I'm wanting to, you know, just illustrate is the idea that 
older men and middle men, younger men are all meant to be functioning in the church together and, you know, having relationship and, and running together and serving together. And, but oftentimes today, that isn't the case. There's like a disconnect and there, there is, you know, the divi- we tend to divide ourselves up into, you know, different groupings and, and, and whatnot. And so I want to talk about that a little bit tonight and hear from these guys. And so, Steve, what are some unhealthy ways that you see that older men tend to view younger men in the church today? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and you know, in the pastoral epistles, obviously where we're at, you know, in, in the word right now, I think Timothy was one of those. I'm sure he, he was a youngin. You know, Paul was his mentor, an older guy. And so I'm sure he put up with a lot of, you know, things in regards to respect from older people and all. But, um, you know, probably the, the main thing I can think is uh, it's kind of like the attitude, hey, kid, you know, you're, you're uh, too young to know much of anything. You know, that, that, that kind of thing, the life experience thing. And, you know, I, I kind of get that I, in, in a sense. Um, but, but, you know, in fact, I've thought that in my own life through the years, to be honest with you guys. And um, the thing that the Lord has shown me is, is that, you know, even though, you know, uh, the younger generation has, in a sense, different methods of, of doing things, you know, you know, the ministry is the same thing. You know, the, the, the end result, the end game is the same, and that's to point people to Jesus, you know, really. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we did, you know, I, I think you get caught in that trap of this has worked for me all these years, and this is the way it is, and you know, kind of the, this, this is the only way it can work. And, and, and the beauty about, you know, not getting trapped in that is, you know, being open to see the Holy Spirit use other people in life. Because younger people with, with a different way of looking at things, it's healthy. It's really healthy. Mm-hmm. So to get, get past it again, different methods, same message. Uh, again, the intent being... Point with Jesus, whatever that looks like. And, and I think that's something that older people, uh, guys, deal with a little bit. We yeah. need to be very sensitive to that. So Paul told Timothy, don't let anybody despise your youth. Yeah. And so what I'm hearing you say is sometimes us older guys have a tendency to despise the so. youthful. Yeah. You know, like you said, think, oh, you, they don't know anything. And, or, um, you know, we, we maybe can get to a point where we look down on them because, you know, we feel like maybe they're, um, you know, overly exuberant or, you know, that, that type of thing. And, and so we, we, we look down on that. I think I see that sometimes, you know, with, uh, us who are older is like, we can, um, you know, not see the value in the young men in our church. So um, for you, Mike, and Jeff, and Steve, you know, what are some ways that um, we who are, are older, or you guys who are in the middle, um, can show value and respect to those who are younger men in the church? When do you want to tackle that? Uh, yeah, I think, kind of you mentioned it earlier, just the um, getting to know them and really taking an interest in their lives. And, um, yeah, just being open to the questions and um, if you see a need, you know, being there to help support them in that. And, um, yeah, just kind of sharing life. And I think also just, um, yeah, respecting where they're coming from and trying to um, – that's why I think the humility piece is huge because um, you can always learn, you know, yeah. no matter how old you are. And um, I was just talking to a guy today that I interviewed for – my work and I was telling him I've been doing this for a long time but we're learning like every week every day yeah. you know we're always trying to work together so I think just kind of meeting where they're at and then uh, being respectful and um, their opinion as well 
Yeah. Sieber. Yeah, Jeff, I totally agree with them. I, I think it, it's showing them that we care. Yeah. And, you know, I've heard it said people could care less what you know to they know that you care. And, and that's so yeah. huge to show love, show care, you know, mm-hmm. show that you're interested in, in, in them and in love on them. And, and um, again, with the intent, obvious of the things that God has showed us is the older guys to invest in the younger. That's, that's the whole purpose. That's the biblical model for us. Yeah. Love in that way and invest those things that, that we've learned maybe in life lessons to pass on to them so they too can, you know, be sensitive to those things and, and also uh, just show that you care. You know, one of the things that, um, I mean, I learn a lot from these two. And, you know, I, I love the fact that, you know, both of them are newer to our, our church. So, and I want you guys that are older to hear me on this. Because, um, you know, they come in with fresh eyes. And I appreciate that, you know. And uh, so they're looking at things and they're just seeing it really, really different from the way that we see it. Um, And so I've encouraged them to ask questions, you know. I've encouraged them to give suggestions. I've encouraged them to, you know, hey, you know, you guys are you know, guys who are in innovative and, and you have great, you know, hearts for the Lord and for the body, you know, if, if you see something that maybe we could be doing differently or better, let's talk about it. Um, and I think that we who are older have to, we have to be that way because sometimes, you know, and, and I, might, I might rub somebody the wrong way here, but I think all of us crave comfort and we love to get into our little niches where like this is our, my thing and this is how it works and this is what I like to do and, you know, this has been proven. Um, but we should always be in a place of wanting to, to be growing, you know, and be learning. And I think one of the ways, you know, that we can show value and respect is by just saying, you know, hey, I want to learn from you. Um, and you know being willing to do that being open to do that and if we don't do that um, you know then it just creates a wall and and we don't we don't want that Um, yeah and I'll I'll add that's been huge for us in our growth and our formation that you've invited us to the to the big kids table so to speak you know what I mean so you invited us to the table and then you actually are listening which is huge for I think I'm speaking for the millennial generation we don't want to overstep our boundaries we're a little bit more timid you know you guys are kind of go-getters you know but we're we're sensitive we're emotional and so the invite right to the table means a lot so it's it's yeah I like what you shared too like we don't care what you have to say until you show us that you care you know, so there's that aspect that we have to kind of get over, that we have to just put ourselves out there, but also that invitation to be at that table means a lot to us. Yeah. So. And I'll just say this for all of us old guys as well. Sometimes they share things with me, and, and I have this puzzled look on my face, because I have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> like I'm so, so, so I'd be like, would you please explain that to me? Like, I'm not getting it, you know, uh, what you're saying. It sounds kind of interesting, but I, I, don't, I don't understand it. I don't get it at all. You've got to break it down for me, you know. Um, Jeff, you're a teacher, and so I'm, I'm curious. You teach college kids. Um, you know, what, would you, or actually, no, I want to ask that question just a minute, because I want to start with you guys first, is... Um, Tyler and Aaron, what are some misconceptions that younger men you think that they have about the church, and and, 
and misconceptions that younger men maybe have today about older men in the church. When you guys want to... Yeah, so more, more about the generational thing than the actually approach to church. Yeah. Um, I think some of the misconceptions the younger guys may have is that they, they don't think the older guys care. Um, and so I think that can be a common misconception. And the older guys think that the younger guys don't care, but they actually do care. Both people care. And um, so I think that can be a misconception. Um, when it comes to... Rob sent us these questions like two hours before the panel, so we're able to think about it a little bit. But when, one of the misconceptions I think about church is I think that um, there's maybe a little bit of a shift, and I could be wrong in this, but the older generation seems, seems to be a lot more missional-minded, like evangelism and furthering the kingdom and furthering the gospel, and they're very, like great, I would say, great commission-oriented. And some of the younger guys that at least I've, I've heard and kind of observed and encountered um, are a little bit less great commission-y and more great commandment-y. And what I mean by that is like they're way more about the relational, loving God, loving other people. And, um, and I think that there's, there has to be both. And, um, and obviously both value both things, but you know what I mean? I don't know if that makes sense. No. But there needs to be both relational and missional together that's designed to work Aaron any thoughts on yeah I would agree I think um, when we see old guys kind of doing well we we tend to do the comparison thing I can never do that Mm. but it's because they've been honing in their craft for decades you know so I think the comparison thing is I can never get there Mm. therefore I can't be worthy to even step into that because where do I even start no one's going to teach me, you know, and I want to, I don't want to put myself out there and look like a fool, so to speak. Um, so I think there is a trap in thinking this is, that's the level that I have to attain to. And if I'm not there, then that I don't have this, I can't, you know, my voice won't be heard or I, I shouldn't even step out until I'm there, you know, but the process of getting there is you guys just jumped in, you know, I think we're looking for people to jump in with us and then teach us to swim with you, you know, so, okay. yeah. Um, Jeff, being a teacher of young people, would you, any other insights you would add to, you know, what you see um, in the young generation? Yeah, yeah. So I would just follow up on one thing that Aaron said a minute ago, the, the invite to the big kids table. So I've, I, I think giving um, younger men more opportunity and asking them to do more, especially things that are a little bit bigger that stretch them, um, that really draws them in. And I notice that with students when they feel like they have a stake in something, their effort level goes way up and they're way more engaged. And so um, just giving them more responsibility, but also knowing that they're, they're not going to come to you and ask for it a lot of times. And so it, it's great when you can actually come alongside someone and say, hey, I think you'd be really good for this particular role. And you know, maybe they're not 100% ready for it, but if they jump into that role, I've, I've seen God really grow people just tremendously by stretching them. And so I think that's, you know, more so than trying to be relevant to younger kids and, and trying to be cool, um, drawing them in and, and giving them a role to play so they feel like they're, they're a part of it is, is, I think, much more effective. Yeah, I do think that, that the older men feel 
like they need to be cool sometimes. And the younger guys don't care as much as the older guys might think they care. Like they don't, I don't care at all. Like just show me how, how it's done, you know, lead me and guide me. And, um, I think that it can be a misconception sometimes. Okay. So I got a question, um, for all of you, uh, I'd like for you to weigh in on this because one of the things that has been a part of the DNA here at our church, um, is Jesus said, when you are faithful in the little things, you'll be exalted to greater things. And so typically the way for 26 years and probably even before that, that service worked here, somebody wanted to get involved, you know, I'd send them to Steve. And Steve would say, okay, great, you want to you be involved? We need help in the parking lot. Or we need help in the as ushers, you know, two two things that are super super important. But from the visual perception, um, wouldn't necessarily for a lot of people, you know, and and I think some young people wouldn't view that as not a big thing, you know, not not a greater thing. So what Jeff said, I've actually heard before of, you know, inviting people, young guys into, give them something, you know, that's really going to stretch them, you know, give them an opportunity um, to, you know, be used in a, in a bigger kind of way. And when I hear that, I hear like, okay, they're going to bypass these, like basically we're saying they're going to jump ahead in these other things, you know, like they're, they're jumping past, but it, but it's almost even been told to me like, well, they're not interested in serving in the parking lot or they're not interested in being a, an usher. That's not where their interests and gifts lie. So where's the balance in that between trying to figure out where Jesus says, you know, somebody's being faithful in little things and that, because what we do, we're looking like, okay, who's going to be faithful to serve in the parking lot? You know, the guys that do that and you guys who do that, man, I just want you to know, I think that's one of the most important ministries here in our church is you guys that serve in the parking lot because you're the first impressions here. Um, you know, you guys that serve, you know, as ushers, um, you know, we're always looking, okay, who's faithful? Who's showing up? Who's showing up on time? Who's, who's being available? Who's, you know, and, so, and we have some guys that are just radically, um, you know, faithful in that way. And then it's like, okay, that guy's faithful. He's somebody that we can trust with more. That's been our mindset in the way that we view things. That's been a part of our DNA, you know, here at the church. But I've been told that, um, that's a roadblock. So I have a thought on that. I would say it's you got to share the vision. What you just shared for the parking lot, there's a big difference saying, hey, here's a need. Can you fill the need? Or, hey, here's the idea behind the parking lot ministry. You're going to be the first person that everyone sees when they come in, and I want you to run with that. Whatever yeah. comes to your mind, like you want to, you know, you want to get a sign and you're like being super extroverted, <laughs> like twirling it, like, I don't know, dude, you take it wherever you want, you know? Yeah. And so you're giving them a little bit of that freedom, like that, that, um, was mentioned, 
but also casting that vision of why this, what might seem minuscule actually is a really important thing. So mm. casting a bit of the vision of why we do that. Like, why do we pick up, you know, hey, I want you to start by picking up trash everywhere. And they're like, oh, you know, <laughs> it's like, this is so lame. It's like, no, it's like, this is God's house. And God's house, yeah. like, look at the temple. It's the most beautiful, incredible thing in the nation of Israel. We need to make God's house and his temple look look great for people that come in. Ah, okay, I get that. You know what I mean? And take that where you want. Mm-hmm. Um, so giving them a, the vision with a little bit of freedom. That's great. I would even add and go a bit further. I wish my mentors would have done this with me, that faithful in the small things would have been faithful in my relationship with the Lord first. Because mm-hmm. what they emphasized more for me was my ability to do and I could do those things, but then my heart was actually not in it. And I don't, I don't think that was honorable to the Lord. And so I think that can go both ways. Faithful in, in small things in, in our prayer life, in our devotional life, in our you know, art of confession and accountability. That goes hand in hand with the now doing these practical things. And what we like to do in, um, in youth ministry, and we've seen it here replicated even though it's not said in this way. Um, you know, when we're given big tasks, it's, it's because... Uh, we say, like, there's four steps, you know, I do, and then the second step is I do, you watch. So, like, hey, I want you to see how I do this, and then the, faith, the faithfulness, small things is, now, okay, you do, and I watch, and I'm going to give you pointers, and then, fourthly, you just do it, you know, so you can fly after you, we've, you've, you've seen me do it, then you've seen me uh, intently, you do it, and then you, I've seen you do it, and then I, you know, give you critique, and then now you can kind of go for it. So the kind of the steps in the faithfulness in, in uh, helping me to kind of hone in what that looks like, you know. Okay. Any of the other guys, any thoughts on that? <laughs> you know, Rob, I, I just, I, I like to look at the heart. You know, a servant's heart is one that, you know, whatever the need is, they should be open to want to do it. To learn to take that and develop that, obviously, but I always look at the heart. Okay. Yeah. yeah I think that's, that's, yeah, that's what I think, too. It's, it, the principle is great, and the, the idea, like you're speaking of, you know, seeing how they're going to serve here to add this here. But I think, yeah, you can kind of, as you get to know them, are they, is the motivation right? If the motivation is to serve Christ, wherever they're gifted, you know, kind of naturally move towards that direction. Um, I think that's kind of what uh, I would think. Looking at that, uh, first and foremost, is where their heart's at. And is it for, you know, because I think one of the tough things we have, in, especially uh, in our society, is certain positions get a lot more glorified, you know, so to speak. Um, and so I think that can be attractive to some people. But really what it comes down to is, like, where is the need? Where is God opening the door for you? And what giftings has he given you? And so I think that's the stuff looking at that. But I think the general principle, of course, it, it makes sense what you're saying. It's just it, there may be certain circumstances where you go, oh, this person really has shown, um, you know, they have this gifting and they may not need to do this X, Y, Z before they go to a certain position, maybe. It's good. Yeah, I, um, obviously you're not going to ask someone who just walked in off the street to teach <laughs> Sunday school, you know, to, right. to fourth graders or, or something like that. Um, even, you know, even at the, the classes that I teach, we, we interact with students before we ask them to do bigger things. And so I think there does need to be some sort of interaction. I don't know that you need to put a set progression to it or a a time limit to it, but definitely enough that you can see their heart and that maybe you have an opportunity to, to pray with them and to kind of see where their, where their walk is. Okay. It's good. Um, it's for Tyler and Aaron. So, I think sometimes those of us who are older 
can often feel intimidated by the younger generation, as well as feeling like um, we are lesser in their eyes or that the, the young guys you know, can feel like we're out of touch. Um, would you say that those feelings are legitimate and how would you suggest that we who are older bridge the gap and get past those feelings? Um, yeah, I think those feelings could be legitimate, but if a younger guy thinks that they're greater than you, they're foolish according to the book of Proverbs. <laughs> so it says a wise man's got gray hair, you know? So, um, but I have seen that, like I've seen, um, I, I've gotten to serve with a lot. General, I've served with more older men, especially you're calling older men over 50. I've served with more <laughs> over 50-year-olds than I have with people my own age. And I have noticed um, that there can be a fear and insecurity that older men have um, of, of they're not relevant or the young person doesn't care or they're not going to listen and and I don't know what's all in that. You know, younger guys have it too, that they're going to get rejected by the older father figure type person. And I think that in order for there to be a healthy, vibrant church and community and service, that those insecurities and fears just have to melt away. And it melt, melts away by love, which is going back to what we're saying over and over again. It's showing that you care about the person. And, um, but yeah, those feelings could totally be legitimate, but if they're th- that's not the young person you want to pursue then. You know, someone told me early on in youth ministry, it's like, stop chasing after the one that's not there and put full attention on the person that is there. Mm-hmm. And I'm such a natural kind of get the kid out of the rough, like kind of evangelistic, like heart outreach kind of thing. I'm hanging out with that kid that's beat up because that was me. But the reality is I cannot miss those those three boys that are right there. And pouring into those boys. And so for, for the older, older guys, it's like, yeah, that I and the sincere younger guys I know, they want to hear from you. Yeah. They want you, hey, want to go and let's go get a cup of coffee. Let's go hang out. Like they're craving. Especially if you're treating. Craving that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. Uh, yeah, you, you're paying the bill because they're struggling to survive. But it's like, I don't know if you guys know this. There's an entire YouTube channel that's called, what's it called? Like, dad, how do I, question mark? Do you, have you seen it? It's like, dad, how do I, question mark? And there's this like sweet old dad. He's like a grandpa. He's, he's got to be like in his 60s. And he literally makes hundreds of thousands of dollars on YouTube just filming these things. Dad, how do I change my toilet? Dad, how do I do this? Dad, how do I shave? Like, there's so many videos on there. And it's all these young people watching those videos because they're craving that example that Rob talked about tonight. And I think um, I just want to encourage the older guys, like, the, the younger dudes, they actually want it. Or the ones that want it, go for it. And there's more that want it than, than you might think. Yeah. And don't discount yourself because you're not perfect. No one's perfect. I think we can relate and celebrate your successes, but we'll identify with your weaknesses. And that's way more of a learning thing for us. Like I, I, we want to know the nitty gritty, you know, yeah. what happened for you to get there? And then how can we, at least if we're pursuing that, how can I circumvent that? So I don't have to go through that, you know? So 
we're kind of looking for the get out of jail free card, you know. But we want to learn by your examples, your your goods and your bads, you know, the highs and the lows. So that's good. So yeah, you could have that fear. I think um, I asked my dad, you know, why he has because he usually surrounds himself with like four or five core guys, and I said, how come you haven't been doing that? He's like, ah, I'm out of touch, but he's not. Yeah. You know, he's not. I think you guys are more in touch than you think. And the best thing you can do is be in touch with the Holy Spirit. Because when I hear uh, the older man exhorting me and I know it's the Holy Spirit, that changes everything. You know, so as long as you're in touch with the Spirit, hey, you're good to go. Hmm. Question. Just curious. I'll see for some of you old guys. How many of you older guys maybe feel a little out of touch because of the whole technology thing? Yeah. Some of you guys. Yeah. Feel that way. I, I can relate to, to that. I mean, and technology is just always growing and moving, and and um, it's just hard to keep up, you know. But the young people are just so, you know, you just, you know, finally figure something out, and they've already moved to the new, you know, some new thing, and and that can be, you know, that can be a, a challenge, you know, just feeling like, gosh, I, I mean, I can sometimes relate to your dad in that in that way, like, gosh, I just don't. You know, I don't relate. Um, Steve, I had a question for you. In, in what ways have you learned from younger men in the church over the years? Um, well, I, I, I love to see their sensitivity to the Holy Spirit in their lives. Hmm. You know, willing to take a risk. I think the older you get, the easier it is to kind of get you know fixed in your ways because hey, this has worked forever. Why should I quit working now? You know, kind of thing. That that, that kind of mode you get stuck in, and that's the last place I want to be. Yeah. But, but it's easy to get in that place because it's kind of like the safe zone, man. Yeah. You know, so I, I love, you know, you guys, Aaron and, and, and Tyler, and, and, you know, that you're willing to take a risk. And, and again, as Rob was talking about earlier, we've taken much more risks than probably you guys have and gotten beat up and learned lessons. But the point <laughs> is, I don't want to get comfortable in that. And I want right. to take those lessons and, and, and teach you the things that I've learned, and you guys refine those things and make them better, yeah. you know. And, and, and so I, I think it's to being sensitive to God's spirit and, and taking risks are things that I, I think I've learned from are you learning from the younger generation? And then another follow-up to that is, why does it excite you to see younger men in the church stepping up to serve and using their gifts? You know why? I don't want to see you guys miss out on what God's got for you. You know, I look mm-hmm. back and, you know, 65 years old and been saved for whatever, 50-some-odd years and been in ministry for a long, long time. And um, God has been so good, yeah. so good. And, 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 you know, that the beauty of, of, of that life, I wouldn't trade it for... For anything, it's 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 such a such a beautiful beautiful thing, and um, you know, I, I just a little, little story. Um, and again, the idea being that you know us older guys are basically, you know, you know, passing the baton to you guys. We're preparing you guys to get you know pass the baton to the next lane of life, so you can continue to you know uh, run strong and, and run for the Lord and, and and bless you know the people and the families that God puts around you. But, you know, I, I think about a great example of this. This last weekend, we had opportunity to, we're, we're, we're campers, if you guys, some of you guys don't know that. We had opportunity this past weekend to go up to Julian and camp with a bunch of the young families in church. And, and Jeff being one of the guys over here in his family. Jeff, <laughs> my son Joseph, uh, uh, Brian and Becca Barrett, uh, Mike, and just, just, just some other guys. And, and you know what? I was so blessed. These guys all have kids. There were kids running everywhere. <laughs> I was so blessed to, to just watch these families and see how these parents are loving on their kids, investing mm. in their kids. And, and that's what the Christian community is all about. It's about family. And yeah. I see that, you know, us being able to pass that agape love down to these guys, you now they're passing it down to their kids. And I just sat back and I just, thank you, Lord. 
That's such a beautiful thing to see. And that, that excites me. Because, you know, that, as we, as we kind of go off into the sunset, you know, and whatever that looks like for us older guys, you know, it's exciting to know that, that you know, in, in one sense that the family is being left in good hands, if that makes sense. You know, again, these guys love Jesus is the most important part of that. But they're, 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 they're putting feet to their faith and, and not only talking about it, but they're walking it and passing it on. And, and I love that. It's good. Yeah. Um, so one of the things, you know, Steve and I are, are trying to, to model is to be giving away, you know, giving ministry away, giving opportunity away. Um, and I want to encourage all of you, um, you know, to be thinking that way because, you know, those of us who are older, um, guys, we got to be realistic. We are going to be handing this over to younger people. You know, and so we need to be looking um, for young men in our church that we can invest in, that we can, um, you know, and, and, and I'll tell you this, because I've had this happen, because I, I, I know somebody's going to experience this, you know, I've had young men that I've reached out to, like, hey, I'd love to get together, like, I'd like to take you to lunch, and they weren't interested. Um, I guess I wasn't cool enough, you know, or whatever, you know, for, for them. But don't let that discourage you because they're not all that way, you know. There might be some, you know, you might ask, you know, it's like asking a girl out on a date, you know. You, you might ask, a, you know, four different girls out before you finally have one that goes, yeah, I'll go out with you, you know, kind of a thing. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, there, there are the ones and, and if all of us, you know, who are the older guys who are, would, are, would be intentional about saying, hey, um, I want to get to know you, you know, Let, let's go, you know, let's go get lunch, let's go get coffee, pay for it, you know, you find out that, that they're, you know, have an interest in something that you, you know, have an interest in. Maybe you surf and they surf, hey, let's go surfing. Um, you might be a longboarder. They're a shortboarder. We'll find a place where you can both do it. You know? And um, but uh, just you know, starting there, but then also looking for and listening. What are they interested in? And you know, I think what we'll find out is that they're a lot more interested. Um, in the Lord and the things of the Lord and being involved in in service than we think. And sometimes we have to put aside our preconceived ideas and just um, be willing to get to know them and get to know each other. Um, so we're, we're out of time. Did you guys enjoy this tonight? Was it helpful? Yeah? Is it good? All right. Um, we'll, we'll do this again. And... Um, but uh, it's excited for, I think, the Lord stirring some things up here amongst us. And um, Tyler, would you just close, pray for the men and pray for our church? Can I share something real quick? Yeah. Like one minute. One minute. I read this verse this morning. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers. And I just encourage you, read that verse, first, mm-hmm. first Timothy chapter 5, verse 1. Meditate on that because it's so interesting. It's telling that the, old, the younger guys to view the older guys almost as a father with respect and reverence. But for the older guys to look at the younger guys as brothers, not as sons. Mm. 
And sometimes a father can be like a little bit condescending to her son or, hey, just mm-hmm. you need to listen to me and it's obey. Good. But it's, it's father to or uh, the older guy to the younger guy as a brother, which is more like, hey, follow me, buddy, and let me show you how to do it. I'm an older brother of a lot of, a lot of siblings. So, um, yeah. I like that. Cool. It's good. But let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this church. God, we thank you that you are the great heavenly father, that you are the great shepherd, Lord, that you are the one that we model our lives after. And we thank you, Jesus, that, that we don't have to be perfect. You were perfect, Lord. You walked a perfect life and you died on a cross for all of our sins and our weaknesses and our insecurities and our fears, our shame, Lord, and you buried it. We thank you for your resurrection life that you've given us through the power of your Holy Spirit that we may live um, in the way that you call us to live. And Father, I pray that you would begin and continue to just knit, Lord, the men together at Calvary Vista. Mm. God, I pray that the younger guys would learn from the older guys. The older guys would learn from the younger guys that there would just be a unity and a bond of peace and Lord, a great work of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that would um, bring healing, that would then just be a witness to this community. It's something different. Um, these generations that have, have found something in common, that being you, Jesus. Mm. And so, Lord, would you be that bond, Lord? Would you be that third string, so to speak, between older men and younger men, that we may be stronger, Um, Lord, and stronger in you. Jesus, would you go before us in your name? Amen. Amen. Two two things real quick before we go. Thanks, Tyler, for that. Um, One, keep sending in your questions. You guys have slacked a little bit on that lately. Um, So keep sending some questions in. That's really, really helpful. I enjoy that. So as you're reading the passage, be thinking about it. And, um, you know, if you look around the room, there's not a whole lot of younger guys here. Commend you younger guys for being here tonight. Um, But those of you who are older, I want to give you a challenge this week to, on Sunday, find a younger guy. In, in the church, ask him out to dinner next Wednesday before church and then invite him to come with you next Wednesday night. Okay? God bless you guys.